my favorite one is the very first time that I encountered sinus inversus was when I was active duty and we had a soldier come in. He got hurt on a training exercise. It hands down would have been a lot more critical and or life-threatening if his body parts would have been where they actually belonged. Something happened and he was actually impaled over on his left side and everybody was immediately worried that he had ruptured his spleen, he damaged his kidney, but we got him in to the scanner and come to find out that he actually only punctured his liver. And that really threw everybody for a super, super huge loop because we must have taken two or three KUBs on this guy before they even came to CAT scan. And you could see all the x-ray text markers were present because they absolutely made sure this was the right side, this was the left side, you know, because from time to time, let's face it, we do forget to put our markers on there and we're just, you know, programmed to know liver's on the right, spleen's on the left, heart faces the right way, and this guy's KUBs were not what we were expecting. So, like I said, by the time he came to us in CAT scan to actually see the extent of his, what was liver damage, not spleen damage, he had had about three KUBs and the trauma surgeons, everybody was totally following this guy. So it wasn't until he got to CT that everybody truly believed he was that rarity in the sinus inversus and that if he would have been impaled through his spleen, it would have been a lot worse. Welcome to MTMI's podcast, where MTMI stands for much too much information because you'll learn everything you'll need to know about the wonderful field of medical imaging. My name is Sydney and I'll be your host. For today's episode, I sat down with the three instructors of our CT training course for technologists to learn about how you too can become a CT tech. Lenhard, MBA, BA Humanities, BAS, RTR, CT is going on 20 years of being a CT tech and has a more unique start to her career. She got her training done through the U.S. military. I went to boot camp based off of when my x-ray schooling was going to begin at the schoolhouse. That has adjusted over the years, but 20 years ago, <laughs> we went to boot camp and then we went straight into our phase one training, which was all the didactic. So we went to the schoolhouse for 16 weeks and learned all the A&P, back in the day, all the processing chemicals. We were just getting into the digital world, so we learned all of that as well. And then positioning and placement of things, as well as the physics and the safety of just Mm x-ray. Then after those 16 weeks, we went to what is phase two, which would be the clinical portion now, and that was only six months. So 16 weeks into six months, and then at the end of that six months, we finished all of our competencies, all of our quarterly testing to make sure that we're maintaining the competency of the school level stuff. And then we were basically cut loose. We were sent to a permanent duty station where we were then the x-ray techs. It was after that point that one, we could sit for the ARRT boards. You, you know, filed the paperwork through the schoolhouse, through the ARRT, and you could sit for your RAD boards. 
then you could go through another eight to 10 week OJT. So on the job to cross train into a modality. Now in the Air Force, they've always had secondary didactic per each of those modalities. So within that eight to 10 weeks, the first four weeks were always advanced technology books. So how did an x-ray tube monitor and work in a CAT scan machine? How did the MRI change? You know, those kinds of things for the first four weeks before you actually sat down to do your clinical scanning. So when I was still active duty, I had the choice. Uh, Originally, the plan was I was going to go to ultrasound school because they needed ultrasound techs. So basically what they do is they pick the highest ranking rad techs and go, hey, you're next we need an advanced modality and they send you off. Well, Hurricane Katrina happened in 2005. So that canceled my class. And the next, I don't want to say easiest thing, but the next best thing then was CAT scan because that was again, that, that on the job training in my head, it just made the most sense to stick with all of the modality that was radiation, you know, so it would, it would have been either CAT scan or mammography, but they didn't need mammotex you know, in that situation or at that time. So since I was the highest ranking and I was set next to go off to that C school, that's what we ended up doing was CAT scan. And I have fallen in love with it ever since. And and I've been 18 years now dedicated ish with the cross trainability of CT. Our second MTMI instructor is Carrie Green Donnelly, MBA RTRM CTQM. She followed a more traditional path into CT after discovering a fascination with the modality. I have been a tech for, um, let me see, 27 years or so, hard to believe. I've mainly um, been in education for about the last 20 years, and I still am able to get out and and get some clinical hands-on, mainly during summers, which is really helpful for me. I started as a diagnostic tech. I worked mainly evenings and nights and weekends, so kind of off hours, and slowly worked my way into other modalities, really helping uh, CT with moving patients and on the night shifts when someone was by themselves and just needed an extra hand and found that I really liked CT. I thought it was unbelievably interesting. And so I sort of reached out and said, if there are ever positions I would like, you know, to be considered. I was very lucky that I moved from our inpatient facility to our outpatient facility. And obviously an outpatient, you have to be able to do multiple things. And I was able to learn CT and um, mammography there. And so I, I kind of started on that journey of CT and went into some supervision and returned to school for my bachelor's and my master's. And during that couple of years, I spent the majority of my clinical time working in CT. And that's um, sort of been my area of interest since that time. Like Carrie, our final CT training instructor, Mark Bake, DBA, MS, BSRTRCT currently works in education. However, he has been in the medical imaging field for 20 years. I was in general x-ray and it, honestly, I was kind of really exposed to CT by transporting patients from x-ray to CT. And then I kind of hung out and watched a couple exams and I knew right away, that's kind of what I wanted to do. At the time that I went to start CT, um, our CT department was actually owned by the radiologist. 
So I went and talked to the radiologist and said, hey, I really have this interest. Would you consider hiring me? And they sort of want you to spend some time volunteering. So I volunteered for about two months to get some experience under my belt. And then right out of the gates, I actually started studying for my CT registry just because I thought I would be more marketable by doing that. So 20 years ago, it wasn't as common to be registered in CT as what it is now. But after those two months passed and I was able to start recording some exams, they hired me. Um, and then actually within about three years, I had the opportunity to manage that CT department. So I actually managed the CT department for about 12 years. CT is a very fast paced modality, which is great. I mean, your, your day keeps moving, but usually when you first start out, just like in general radiology or any modality, you kind of start more in the PM shifts or even the weekend shifts. So my first exposure in CT was working 12 hour every other weekend. So I was on my own. So it was, it was a lot of kind of learning as I go. Uh, fortunately, I found a mentor. So, so I highly recommend finding a colleague or a coworker that's willing to pick up the phone whenever you need that help. Because there's times that, you know, you scan routine things like abdomen pelvis or stone studies and chest. But sometimes you get things from the ER where they're looking for, you know, a blood clot in the arm and, and it's something you never scanned before. So it can be intimidating because you will learn a lot in those first couple of years. Taking the course and, and reading the book and doing your registry is, is a great way to get started. But there's nothing that really, I guess, fills in for that personal experience, that scan time with the patients. After a person discovers the CT modality and finds this interest in becoming a tech, what is the first thing they should do to pursue this career? Go to places that will allow you to job shadow. Don't just talk to, oh, well, my neighbor's an x-ray tech or my family friend's a cat scan tech. Don't just listen to our stories because we're going to paint it in one of two lights. It's perfect. It's great. It's easy. Or it's the most life draining, drag out, stressful, you know, very rarely do we <laughs> explain it at a, at a happy medium between the two. So definitely job shadow. Try to get into the local hospital, the local clinics, those kinds of things, all while you're still trying to figure out what do you really want to do with this. Mm -hmm. Then go look for the programs. I know that there's community college programs, there's university level programs. So definitely look into the structure and the backbone of the program that you yourself want to get involved in. Find out for sure, okay, is it just a two-year? Is it a four-year? Is it an 18-month program that gets you everything that you need? And then from there, you can build on that. Get some experience. When you find the program that interests you and you're out clinically, that's also another good way to find out, do you really want to do this or not? And I think when you're in that environment, you realize this clicks and it feels comfortable and like, yeah, that's where I want to work. Or you might be in an environment where you say that was really interesting, but it doesn't really resonate with me. And so I'm glad I had that opportunity, but maybe I need to look at something else. What is the education you need? So first you do need to complete some structured education requirements to the ARRT. They require 16 hours as a minimum of structured education. And, and again, there's a lot of options. Of course, MTMI is a wonderful course that I help teach. And within those 16 hours, you need to have at least one hour of patient care, one hour of safety, one hour of image production, and one hour of procedures. 
as a kind of bare minimum, but overall it has to meet the 16 hours. And then once you have that education or that structured education under your belt, then you start working on the clinical experience requirement, which is a minimum of documenting 125 CT procedures. And it has to be at least 25 different procedures out of a list of 59. So for example, you could do a head CT five times, but you can't do an unenhanced head CT six or seven times. So it has to be at least 25 and it has to be at least, I think, three exams with head CT, but you can't exceed five exams on an enhanced head CT. There's doing it on the job. And so if you're thinking, um, I don't want to go to a certificate or degree type program, I'd really like to work into this. Having that conversation with your supervisor or your director and saying, you know, I really um, am interested in this. I would like to um, pursue opportunities when they're available and what type of opportunities are there. I know several facilities in my area have some intern opportunities within their facility. And so sometimes the um, diagnostic techs aren't aware of those, but they're a really great way to start working towards getting a position in CT, getting those clinical requirements for the ART exam. So I think if you're thinking on the job, that's a really strong way to go about it. Start having those conversations and just on your own, start trying to educate yourself in that modality. So maybe directing some of your continuing education to some CT credits and and learning more and becoming more aware certainly will help when those clinical opportunities are um, available to you. If you're someone that you think it would be better for you to be in more of a formal type program, there are many different certificate programs and different levels of degree programs. If you think being in a formal program works better for how you learn, right? If a formal program is the best way you learn, then let MTMI help you. Our CT training course for technologists will give you an opportunity to learn the structured education required for certification and registration. You can go to mtmi.net to learn more information about the cross-training program. Plus, by listening to this podcast, you get an exclusive coupon that will take 15% off the program. Make sure you use the code CTPOD at checkout. Now back to the episode. Unfortunately, sometimes we get pegged as button pushers. It's easy just to hit the button to do the scan, but it's really important as CT techs that we understand every single parameter, every single protocol, because a couple of mouse clicks can really change the exposure to our patients or really change the quality of that scan. So I always say is make sure you take the time to understand everything from start to finish. I think your first year, you're still learning a lot. I think that first year out of school, no matter what modality that you end up in, you're taking a lot of what you learned and having to put it into practice many times on your own. And so I think it's, it's a steep learning curve. I think there's lots of challenging days where sometimes you, you feel a little unprepared or you could have done things better. And I think the important thing is just to learn from every situation you're in, the easy ones, the challenging ones, learn from every patient that you have. So if we do make a small mistake, it is not going to be the end of the world. You own up to it, you get the right people involved, and you can quickly overcome that error. 
there's practices and policies in place so we're not hurting people. But that was definitely my number one fear was I'm going to set the wrong technique and I am going to end up giving somebody cancer and, or I'm going to set the wrong technique and we're going to have to do repeats because it was maybe over or underexposed, <laughs> especially 20 years ago when everything was primarily not digital. <laughs> we had to wait the two and a half minutes for our actual film to go through the processor to then tell us if we were right or wrong before we could even look at that. So that was definitely my number one insecurity was the fear of doing something critically wrong, which never really happened. You know, we small mistakes along the way, but the best way to cope about you know, cope and get over that was definitely looking through at some of the smaller mistakes and realizing that I was definitely making the mountains out of the molehills. What advice can you all give a person fresh in the career? A couple years back now, we ended up scanning a woman who didn't know she was pregnant. So of course, there I am, seasoned technologist scanning through. And when we get to her pelvis, we see this well-developed wiggly baby on board and my heart stopped. My coworker actually had to go let the patient go uh, because, you know, it, we don't tell them what we see. We let them know in two business days, the doctor will talk to you. I'm not 16 years of schooling into this, but leaving, leaving those things in the locker room is probably the best advice that I can give anybody. You're going to have great days where you're going to find something that's life-saving and you're going to have bad days where the trauma patient might code on your table. And how are you going to deal with that? Being able to take the good with the bad and leave the bad behind because not every day is going to be that way. Those are definitely the days that stick with us and make us want to do better and never, ever have that happen again. But being able to leave that in the locker room on that day, go home, but then come back the next day fresh is probably the best advice that you are going to see positives and negatives, and they could be back to back within a shift. But being able to overcome any of the bads and not let it dissuade you from your choices, I think is the the deepest and the best advice that I could give anybody. I think just being open to every opportunity, you know, it may be the fifth chest CT of the day. (laughs) You might think, gosh, it's one more chest CT, you know, but that might be the chest CT, which is a really challenging patient or a really unique situation. So even those very routine opportunities sometimes can have the best learning available. So just being open, doing every case, the more cases that you see, even if you think they're going to be routine, can be really good learning opportunities. So opening yourself up, listening all the time. And I think anytime you can have interaction with the radiologist, with the physicians, pay attention to everything that they tell you. The good days far outweigh the challenging days. So I think it's important when you're having that rough day to talk to a colleague, a friend, a mentor to recognize it and to address it. And then to say, you know, I have the tools in my toolbox to, to work with this and come back the next day. And and you're going to get that patient that says, thank you. And that one, thank you makes up for a whole lot of really difficult situations. Dive in head first. Don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's a modality that's constantly changing. 
you know, a lot of times I hear as a radiographer or as a CT tech, we can't really make a difference because it's the providers or the radiologists that really drive the ship. But I'll say, you know, in my experience as a CT tech, you know, we helped grow the the calcium scoring program. We helped bring CT brain perfusion to our hospital because the radiologists, you know, weren't necessarily sure if it was the right fit. So, you know, we as CT techs have a lot of opportunity to grow and change CT departments and really understand the technology and bring that technology forward to the providers or to the radiologists. Thank you all for listening to the MTMI podcast, where MTMI stands for much too much information about the field of medical imaging. We hope that you got insight on how you can become a CT tech and if it's the right career for you. There is an exclusive coupon code found within this episode that you can use on our cross-training program to get started in this rewarding career. Before you go, Amber, Carrie, and Mark have some final words on the amazing world of CT. You haven't seen everything yet. For 20 years, I have found myself saying, you know, in here I thought I've seen it all, or, you know, here I thought I've seen everything. With an ever-changing demographic of people that we take care of and encounter and assist pathologies that are ever-evolving, that sometimes you do. You sit and you're used to mundane non-positive scans that when you see something that kind of makes you cock your head a little bit, you want to learn that new piece a little bit more. I definitely have not seen and done it all, even in 20 years. Imaging as a whole, as a career choice, is just so cool and so phenomenal. We just do really awesome, cool imaging. Just the aesthetics of it were, I think, what captured you and it just draws you in and then it's hard to get out of it because it's so interesting. I think the most rewarding aspect is just, uh, you know, when you sit back and reflect on a given week, how many patients you have scanned or how many different pathologies you have ruled out or help the radiologist diagnose. Because again, you're making a difference in the overall prognosis and the overall end game for that patient.